You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Deadline day is done. January transfer window is done. I am here with Jimmy Conrad. Welcome to Kego Lasso as we'll give you the winners and losers of this transfer window of this month. We will talk about many clubs around Europe and many players. Stay right here. Kego Lasso's winners and losers from deadline day begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Go Lasso. This is our deadline day, our transfer window winners and losers. And I can't do this without my always a winner, Jimmy Conrad. <laughs> Jimmy, what's up, buddy? What's up? How are you doing, Luis, Miguel? How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Uh, I'm happy and excited to talk about this. The deadline day transfer window is over and uh, everything is signed. A lot of deals, mainly loan moves. But basically what we're going to do today for everybody is Jimmy and yours truly will give you the winners, uh, teams or even players who we think uh, won in this January transfer window. And of course, when there's a winner, there's a loser and the losers <laughs> as well. Those who we think really didn't do enough or perhaps did enough, but not exactly what we thought. And we consider them as losers. So, Jimmy, before I begin with a quick recap, yes. how are you feeling? Did you feel that it was an oversatisfied January transfer window? Oh, that's tough. I feel like we've had some ones in the past that always kind of stand out for you. Some big names, uh, you know, Bruno Fernandez, even last January transfer window for Manchester United. This one felt, ah, I don't say tame, but it's the summer that usually where the big action is. But there was enough here that I feel like I, my, my stomach is full, but I don't know if I, I feel like I still got room for ice cream. Does that make sense? That absolutely okay, makes sense. Okay. That's a great analogy. And by the way, now I want ice cream. So thank you very <laughs> much. But let's talk. Before we get into the winners and losers, we'll do winners first, everybody. Mm. Uh, Jimmy will give one. I will give my comment. Then I'll give one and Jimmy will give his comment. We'll take a break and then we'll do into the losers. But before we do that, a very quick recap of the day. Of course, Liverpool. Ben Davis from Preston goes to Liverpool for around two million pounds. Uh, absolutely really good deal for him. Uh, Ozan Kabak from Schalke, a loan move with an option to buy. So Liverpool was obviously the biggest storyteller here as they were looking to strengthen their center back situation. Southampton. Takumi Minamino, a loan deal from Liverpool. Uh, that was a late one there uh, from the day. Everton get Josh King from Bournemouth. Uh, and Fulham, who was also interested in Josh King, got another Josh in Josh Maja. You may remember him from Sunderland. Uh, he went to Bordeaux. Ainsley Maitland-Niles on his way to West Brom on loan from Arsenal, as well as uh, five other players or four other players. Brighton secure Moises Caicedo. I can't even begin to tell you the That's move here. Yeah. from Independiente del Valle, uh, and some others, of course, notable ones. Chris Richards, we knew this, on loan to Hoffenheim from Bayern was announced. Brian Reynolds to Roma from FC Dallas. Uh, but Dali Ali going nowhere, despite the PSG interest. So that was your quick recap. There's obviously so many more to discuss, uh, but we'll let you go to cbsports.com. As you're listening to this, perhaps you've even seen HQ, where Jimmy will also be a part of as they discuss more and more transfer news. But let's begin. Jimmy Conrad with the winners and I'm going to throw the mic to you. Give me your first winner from this January transfer window. You know, I'm going to go with Atletico Madrid. I, I, I think maybe it's because I'm still 
in disbelief that they stole Luis Suarez from Barcelona and Luis Suarez is on top of the La Liga scoring charts with 14 goals. And I just look at Barcelona and just shake, I'm shaking my head right now as I think about it. Cause I just can't believe it. And obviously this past summer transfer window, I probably should put air quotes up because it wasn't really a proper one due to COVID and the season kind of getting crammed in towards everything in what August, September, everything trying to pile in all at once. But what business that was, and I really feel like they looked at their team and said, how do we strengthen more in this January transfer window? I think getting rid of Diego Costa was very smart. He was an expensive player. He was injured. He looks like he has attitude problems. I don't really know him as a human being, Luis, but he looks like a bit of a bastard. And so you get him out of the team. Luis Suarez is going to be your older number nine up top who can really uh, you know, mold uh, Joao Felix, who's an emerging young talent, one of the best young players in the world. And... You added Moussa Dembele from Lille, who had scored over 10, 15 goals last two seasons, including a couple against Man City in, in the Champions League. You know, he uh, is a very talented player, but couldn't get minutes this season. And so that felt like a really good, smart signing, trying to get somebody that has a chip on their shoulder, something to prove. He's still relatively young. So I like that move a lot as kind of the backup to those other guys. Angel Correa, the number 10, has really emerged as somebody so much better when he's in the middle of the field. And then I like that they got Kondogbia as well. Jeffrey Kondogbia, very experienced player, knows how to have success specifically in La Liga. It's not like they went and got somebody from a different league like they got from Dembele, who's going to have to now adjust to La Liga a little bit. Kondogbia knows what it takes and really added some depth. They have a 10-point lead at the top of the table over Real Madrid and Barcelona with a game in hand. They're on pace for 100 points, and that's without the guys I just mentioned. You add these guys in and you start to strengthen your team and you give your, the rest of the guys that just are on that team a little bit of belief that they can go on to do it. So I really like what Atleti did this window. Yeah, very well said. The only thing that I'll say is that uh, Atleti is doing the opposite of what they do on the pitch, which is like chaos and craziness and press and physicality. They're really thinking about exactly what they want from a strategy perspective. Atletico Madrid is a good one, Jimmy Conrad. All right, let me Thank give you, you mine. Okay. Uh, listen to me, Brighton fans, you have no idea the gem that you've just gotten in Moises Caicedo uh, from Independiente del Valle, obviously a Manchester United target early on, uh, you know, per Fabrizio Romano. And of course, uh, our other sources at CBS Sports, uh, United kind of cooled off their interest on him. Moises Caicedo uh, joins Brighton and Graham Porton. He's, he was apparently going to go to Belgium, you know, acclimate himself to Europe and then Brian, but nope, he's going straight to Europe for around five to six million euros. 19-year-old star already in the first team for Ecuador. He absolutely embarrassed Uruguay in the you know qualifiers. This is a talent. Yes, it's gonna take time to acclimate himself, but I have to, I'm going to tell you something. You may not see the riches of his talent this season, but he is an absolute force. And in, in a midfield where Brighton is very creative, uh, very uh, sophisticated, I would say. They needed this guy that was just going the trenches, you know, box to box midfielder. And this is such a gem. I, I can't even tell you how so, great this player is. I, I love it. I think, I think you're right. This is a winner for Brighton, 1,000%. I wonder, though, if he was that talented. I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I, I agree with you. I think this is an amazing signing. I think the player is extremely talented. They're, they're saying he's like a, a mix of Paul Pogba and N'Golo Kante. I, he's got the ability, but he's also got the tenacity, and, and I love that, right? I mean, that's, that's the, the, the total package. But if he was that good, why wouldn't a Manchester United come in and just buy him for 25 million? You know, why, why just because he wouldn't play like Brighton a better spot? And that's why, I don't know. I'm kind of curious about that. 
Yeah, I think there are a few things. I think per obviously uh, the reports from, from Fabrizio and, you know, everything that we've read from Manchester United. Yeah. I think that the moment, first of all, uh, Rory Smith from the New York Times wrote a really good article about the intricacies of this deal. Uh, there was just so much overwhelming agent uh involvement in this one that made it almost very difficult for other teams to just try and get their final say. I think Manchester United saw it like this. Listen, we've already gotten um, Amadou Diallo from Atlanta, right? The young kid uh, coming in. Um, we've already, you know, gotten the, the other Argentinian kid to come in. They're already strengthening their midfield. They didn't see a need to pressure themselves on a player who perhaps was going to be more difficult to get due to work permits, et cetera, mm -hmm. when they could just really focus on what they have already and just see what they can do from there. And if he was available, uh, you know, later on, then maybe they can get him, but they weren't willing to really put that, that much of a gamble on somebody who probably wasn't going to start for Manchester United. Right. right there was right. so much, whereas Brighton, I think saw this and they said, listen, five, six million euros. Uh, you know, we have a great coach, a great manager who can really help somebody acclimate themselves. Why not? Let's gamble. I'll, I'll tell you just one final thing. South American talent is hugely undervalued for a long period of time. I th not all the time and not in every league. I think the Bundesliga does a really good job, but specifically with the United Kingdom and Great Britain, sometimes they really undervalue certain South American players. He is one to watch. He's not Pogba now. He's not Kante right now but he definitely has the potential to be uh, that, that person. And I think it was just uh, something out of left field that Brighton caught him. Yeah, 100%. I, I remember seeing them their name late. Like there's all these big clubs and then Brighton. You're like, yeah, I don't know how Brighton got thrown into that conversation. But but again, uh, fair play to them. And and I do think that's actually a good stepping stone for him. I mean, he was looking at clubs at Belgium and, and you know, we have an American Reggie Cannon who's at Portugal, you know, they're like these nice little, let's say gateway drugs to the big, <laughs> the big clubs. Yeah. And, and you'll get more playing time. You'll get more experience that way. And you'll get to probably toughen up in a way that you wouldn't otherwise. I mean, you can get good in training playing with world-class players, but only to a certain point. At some point you actually have to go out there and perform when, when everybody's watching and the pressure's on. So I like, yeah, yeah, I like this move a lot. And there's something to be said about a good manager. And Graham Potter is a, a very 100%. good manager. All right, let's move on because we have so many. Jimmy, who's your next one? Who's your next winner? Well, this is a team I don't think we talk about a lot in general. You know, uh, they're a United. We don't usually, we're not making fun of them because of Newcastle. We're not questioning their manager, whether he's good or bad this week with uh, Manchester. It's actually West Ham. And they're quietly in fifth place in the Premier League. And the first thing, this might become as a bit of a surprise to some people, but I just wanted to give them some love in particular because with the Sebastian Alla, uh, when they, they bought him from Eintracht Frankfurt for 55 million and then sold him to Ajax just recently for, for half of that. And you don't see clubs do that very often. You rarely see clubs raise their hand and own it and say, you know what, this guy doesn't fit. He doesn't fit what we're trying to do. We're going to accept that we overpaid for him and we're just going to move on and cut ties. What you'll end up seeing is you see a lot of, a lot of teams that hold on to this person. No, he's going to turn around. He'll finally turn good for us, you know? And that just, it's just a really sad, long thing uh, played out. And we see it time and time again in multiple sports too. And I really, I just thought that was kind of cool that, that you saw a team that, that knew who they were. They had an identity under David Moyes and Sebastian Hollow didn't, didn't fit that. And so they moved him on and they brought in some players uh, and Jesse Lingard in particular, that, that probably will want to be there. That, that's, does have something to prove. And I think Lingard does has, has shown that he's got talent. He's played for one of the biggest clubs in the world of Manchester United. I really just like a, like a low key signing kind of like this Moises Casado move 
it's very low key. It feels very smart in a lot of different ways. You're giving a new lease on life to a player. Ben Rama comes in as well. And he's just starting to add these pieces. So I'm a big fan when you look at teams of, of that are trying to find that balance. It's going to actually drive them to success. Whether West Ham can keep up this form and get in the top six, I don't know. But I feel like they're positioning themselves to do it. And I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, I think it's a good point about some teams who like just hold on for, you know, they, they, they refuse to accept that they were wrong and they just hold on to a player for <laughs> yeah, so long. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really good point. And I, Jesse Lingard, I think that's a sh sneaky, one of the best loan moves. It could be. Around. I mean, well, it's yet to be determined, of course, but but it, it has the potential. We can't always say that about every single signing. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. All right, here's my next winner. Ozan Kabak's agent. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I listen. I he's a talented player. It's not because he's not talented. Like from the many, not the many, from the few moments that I've seen him play with Schalke, uh, you know, you could tell he's a talented guy. It's just the fact that Liverpool, Liverpool, who's in the hunt, and obviously, you know, the players and the agents and the representations uh, from different clubs go to them. The fact that this is the guy that they got, you know, well done on identifying that talent. And I'm not going to stand here and say that it was obviously Jurgen Klopp thinking, you know who we need? Ozan come back. He's, he said <laughs> that about Ben Davies. Had the situation been different, I don't think we would have looked at uh, Preston's uh, defender right there. He's not that young. He's 25, right? But I think that it speaks volumes for somebody to say, you know, look at my guy. You know, he's in a team that's yeah. sort of by relegation, and, 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 but he can help you out. Well, I have some insight on this because David Wagner, who used to coach Schalke, he's one of Jurgen Klopp's best friends. Love and it. So he got fired. Up? David Wagner is also an American international, and, and uh, he's been fired a few places. So I wish he was doing better. Uh, Huddersfield Town, I think he was there as well. So, so I, think, I think Jurgen had some insight on the player that he would not have had otherwise if it wasn't for David Wagner. So, yeah, fair play to the agent. Unless, unless David Wagner is his agent. Then we have this whole thing tied up in a nice little red bow. But, but I do think, just to speak about these moves by Liverpool in particular, they just need really one of these, these defenders to pan out. You know, they've already shown they can do a stopgap defense. Uh, the, either Davies or Kabak. I think Davies will get more of a run out because, as you said, he's 25 years old. What I really like about him, though, is he's, he's a left footer. So he's a left-footed center back playing in the left center back position. I can't tell you how important that is to potentially transition a team if you have a player that's got that foot uh, on the left side of the field, right? Otherwise, it's really predictable if you have the ball on your right and you're trying to hit it across. Everybody yeah. can read it. So it's really important to be able to hit a ball across your body. I know I'm getting into the weeds here, but I just think it's really important. Plus, he is 25, and I do think that's starting to enter into your prime of really understanding how to play the position. 20 might be too young, and I think we're already seeing that with some of Liverpool's younger players, that they have moments where they're good, but there's some times where they're caught out of position, you know, they're not with the line, whatever it may be. So I like the Davies one a lot, but I like the Kabak one for potential because I think he's got it, and I think David Wagner sold Jurgen Klopp on that possibility. Plus, they got to take a flyer on a couple people because they just need some bodies at this point. Right. And a flyer they did because originally Schalke wanted uh, the loan, but with, you know, uh, an inclusion to buy by the end of it. And Liverpool were like, no, 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 we'll loan him and then uh, we'll see what happens. But mm -hmm. that's good because that'll show Ozan Kabak what he can do. He's going to prove his worth. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of potential. And I think you make a really good point about the left sided center back, especially when you're. Uh, player next to you is Andy Robertson, who's like just trying to, you know, just push so high up, you have to try and find him. So, no, absolutely. All right, who's your winner, uh, your final winner there, Jimmy? I'm going with AC Milan. Again, this is another team that I think has done a nice job of finding balance. And Mario Mandzukic, 
what's crazy is that he feels like he's 45 years old and he's still not the youngest player on AC Milan. Zlatan has that title. And, and I just think he's a nice, he's a winner. He's won a lot of places that he's gone to. He scored big goals in his career. And he's a nice blend for the younger players that they have on their team. Rafael Leao, you know, I really like that move. Brahim Diaz, who they got on loan from Real Madrid in the previous transfer window. They just made some smart moves. And then when you ask, uh, um, add Tamori from, from Chelsea as a center back, who already came in against Inter Milan in the Derby and uh, played pretty well, made some key saves. I, I just like these two moves. And again, I, I'm going to speak to the balance that I think Stefano Pioli is trying to find with AC Milan and, and trying to find those, those, those extra little pieces, maybe even subtle in some ways, that's going to really balance his team out in a meaningful way and obviously provide some depth so they can go on to, to win the Scudetto, which, you know, they're, they're definitely in the hunt for. So I, I just kind of quietly low key again, another low key pick for AC Milan with some of the business they're doing. No, I'm with you. I mean, I have AC Milan winning Scudetto, and I think it's because of uh, certain moves like this. Listen, I'll actually throw this in right now because we had a question uh, from a listener. Apologies, I'll get your name in a second. I'm just being thrown so many things here. But do we think that Chelsea made uh, the right or wrong move by uh, loaning out Ficayo Tomori? It's interesting to say that because Tuchel's come in and has already started older guys. You know, Espelicueta's back in the starting team. Marcus Alonso's back in the starting team. Rudiger's back in the starting team. Thiago Silva, like their average back line in their last game was was probably on the wrong side of 30. So, yeah, I think we could probably say Tamori maybe missed out on influencing the coach that he deserved a, a chance. But I don't know if he would have played in these next six months. So I think it's a pretty good move that he went to Milan. And I think Milan got a pretty good player who's going to gain a lot of experience. And I think it's important. I, there was some comments from an English na- international who said it's important for English players to get out of their bubble, to leave England and go play somewhere else. It might have even been Tamori. I don't remember where I read it, but, but <laughs> he said it to himself. He did. Yeah. No, he said it to himself. And then and then I somehow heard it. But but he's right. Whoever said it is right. Like you, it, it's important for him to get out of his comfort zone. He'll go back to Chelsea, a better player. So especially going to a club like Milan, not getting buried in like some second division Belgium team, like Chelsea tends to do with some of their other loanies, but, but yeah, I, I like what Milan's doing. And with regard to Chelsea, I, I think that uh, Tuchel is going to probably rely on some of his older players to, to start to mentor maybe even on field during the game for some of his younger players. Cause it felt like maybe they were over relying on too many younger players, Chelsea to start the season. Yeah, absolutely. And that was Kev who asked that question. Thank you, Kev. And Jefferson, Jake Fanner uh, asked Schalke loses yet again with Quebec going <laughs> to Liverpool. But my bigger question is, can they he make They got Mustafi. What are they talking about? They got Kolosinac and Mustafi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go down in the ship, you know, sinking ship, why not? Why not Mustafi? He's basically a walking meme at this point. Right. But his bigger question is, can he make a big impact? Can uh, Quebec make a big impact on the team? Uh, for the long term, I say yes. It's the it's there. It's just uh, I, I don't know if it's going to happen this season. But like you said, the club just needs you know bodies at this point. He does, and again, I mean, both of those players are probably like holy ish. You know how what Liverpool's interested in me? I, I play for Schalke. I play for Preston North End. That can't be possible. I can be a big <laughs> lie, but there they are. Now they have a chance, right? And then as a player. I kind of liken it to the national team. If you get called into the national team, well, here's your chance to prove that you belong to be here. So they get a chance. And what's cool at the club level is they actually get a longer chance to prove themselves. So we'll see how they do. Yep, absolutely. And here's my last winner because uh, we're going to speed right here. And obviously, as you may know or may not know, everybody, once that deadline hits, uh, the Premier League teams do have a form that they can fill in to say, hey, listen, like we, we've created this agreement with this specific player. We're just finalizing the paperwork. So they get an extra two hours uh, for that. Uh, so, and that is within the rule right now of Southampton. 
And Minamino, who I, we mentioned earlier, who uh, out of nowhere, uh, you know, earlier today said that the the Turkish, the Turkish, the Japanese winger was uh, making his loan move to Southampton. I think it's good for everybody. I, I, it's a win for Southampton. It's a good little loan move, and I think it can help. Uh, and they're a very good manager, and they're a very good squad. And it could, it's a good mood for Minamino because he's obviously not getting he's not getting seen at all. He hasn't he's played like seven minutes since uh, that seven nothing win against Palace. So you know, I think it's a win for both. Yeah, I do. I think for the player in particular, as you said, he wasn't playing a lot. With Oxley Chamberlain coming back and starting to round into full health, uh, Diego Jota is going to come back soon, I'm sure. Jordan Shakiri has been very good, right? And somewhat yeah. of a revelation. Like he's like a, a renaissance again and starting to earn uh, some valuable minutes. So when those guys are all kind of in the team and healthy, it was going to always be tough for Minamino to, to find his way, especially at the front three of Salah, Mane, and Firmino are healthy too. So yeah, I like it. I like it for both teams. And, and it's kind of cool. I I feel like you see with, with Jose Mourinho, who's very obstinate, and maybe Daniel Levy too, the chairman of Tottenham, not allowing players to leave because they didn't want to lack some depth. And so you don't see Deli Ali move to PSG. But then you have Minamino. They still have some injury concerns, right? Liverpool is just like a walking injury concern this season. And I can just see that Jurgen Klopp's like, no, nah, I, I kind of care for you. Not to say that Mourinho doesn't. I don't want to like completely do compare and contrast here. But it just feels like, no, we, we understand Minamino we want you to play too. Like we, we want you to get some minutes and we'll be okay without you. And here you go. I, it's not like for like, but I just feel like there's a different vibe coming out of both of those camps when it comes to some of these player relations. It seems this is all just, it seems. No, I agree. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, and just to uh, remind everybody uh, as we're speaking, Fulham just officially announced uh, Josh Maja, uh, who will be part of their setup from Bordeaux. And obviously you would think that it's imminent now that Everton uh, does the same thing with uh, Josh King. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then from winners to losers. Wah, wah, wah. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to Que Golazo. It's our January transfer window deadline day. Winners and losers with Jimmy Conrad. We just did the winners, and now we're going to do the losers. Uh, Jimmy, give me your Hi. first loser. I'm going with Real Madrid. And I say this, there's a lot of prefaces here, if I can have some, but uh, I look at their right-back situation. Lucas Vasquez is a winger playing right back. That's been a disaster. Oh, more things, all, all things considered, I think, over the, the length of him trying to do it. But the fact they gave up Ashraf Hakimi to Inter Milan, it's just like, what were they doing? So I have an issue with that. And that, that's probably involving some, you know, informing some of my, my opinions now. 
they they let go of Odegaard. Basically, they brought him back for Real Sociedad and then put him in handcuffs. So Zidane's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to play him. Played only nine games in all competitions. Now let him go to Arsenal. Uh, and then um, the Luka Jovic one is the one I think I get the biggest kick out of because Luka Jovic came over to Madrid from Eintracht Frankfurt for 60 million euros. Not really a player that I thought they needed to sign, but they signed him anyway because he had a great season with Eintracht. And uh, he scored two goals in two seasons. Two goals. Okay, so they loan him back. They loan him back to Eintracht in this window. Within 28 minutes, Luis, 28 minutes of playing for Eintracht, he scored two goals. He matched his total with Real Madrid in 28 minutes. Unbelievable. 15 months he spent with Real Madrid, only scored two goals in league competition and matched it in 28 minutes. That's, un that's unbelievable for me. So I just want to say that that's hilarious. And I don't know what Madrid's doing. But at this point, I can sense that they're probably saving as much money as possible for this upcoming summer so they can buy Kylian Mbappe and or Erling Holland. Yeah, um, there's nothing much more to be said. It's so weird. Uh, there's something in the water sometimes with Real Madrid <laughs> and some players. I swear to God, it's so true. You know, what's funny. I met both uh, Jovic and uh, Benzema uh, when Real Madrid were here for part of this uh, tour or whatever uh -huh. in the U.S. And uh, it's funny. I'm not trying to hyperbole this, but like he looked very like nervous about just being part of this club. Maybe was it just <laughs> too much for him? I don't know, but it's not fully his fault. Like he's a great right, talent, right. but that's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. All right. Uh, my loser. Listen, I like the kid. You know, he was one of England's best players um, at the World Cup. Honestly, Delhi Alley. Mm. Delhi Ali wanted to leave Tottenham. He's staying put. Uh, obviously, the Daniel Levy uh, hand strikes again or doesn't in this perspective. And it's a shame, you know. But the other part of it, though, is I feel they could Delhi Ali have done more, you know, in, you know, in the course of the last year and a half. Rebecca Lowe says something very interesting in NBC, saying how, like, when she was watching the All or Nothing documentary Tottenham, and Deli Ali was being talked to by Jose or, you know, whoever. His body language was not there. He's kind of, I, you know, he's kind of introverted, I guess. But, you know, I would imagine that somebody like that who has the opportunity to, like, really take, you know, yeah. the bull by the horns didn't do enough, I guess. Uh, and purely shattered by the fact that he just wanted to leave the club. Yeah, that's a sad situation. I watched the same documentary. I got the same type of vibe that Rebecca Lowe did. I think everybody else did. It just He's not responding to Jose Mourinho and his body language isn't Jose Mourinho-esque. You know, he's not an eager beaver, or at least if he is, he hides it. And he seems like, even though we all know that he cares, it doesn't seem like he does. He's kind of got that Gareth Bale vibe right now because Gareth Bale is kind of walking around with the same type of body language. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's tough. I, I think Mourinho's probably tried every different, you know, psychological tool that he has at his disposal to try to get the most out of this guy. I'd be really surprised if he hasn't and it's just not working. And so, yeah, I think you have to part ways with him, but it's unfortunate because we all know how much talent he has and I, and he has more in his playing, you know, body uh, and one fingernail than I have my whole body. So I have a lot of respect for his game, but yeah, he's just not responding to, to Mourinho. Not all players do. And I think we've seen that in the past and I thought it would have been great for him to go to PSG, but unfortunately with LaCelso being hurt, it doesn't seem like they want to take that risk Spurs. And I get it. Yeah. No, nothing much more to be said. All right. Who's your next loser? Let's speed this up. Let's see. Yeah. 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 I'm going to Fiorentina. Uh, they just signed Alexander Kokorin from Sparta, Sparta, Moscow. And yeah. he's 28 year old striker. Uh, he 
got in trouble for beating up an official. And he's also a confirmed racist, or at least had some racist tendencies in the past. And uh, they signed him. And I just found that quite interesting that they would leave all that stuff aside just for the betterment of the team, even though off the field, he's not a great human being. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, Rocco, who owns the team, Rocco Camiso, who owns the NY Cosmos, an American owner. I'd just be surprised. I know him. I, I was surprised that he took that risk. Maybe the guy said he's turned a new cheek, but uh, I just found that was, I don't know, just not not a good move by Fiorentina. Yeah, I don't, that's very, I don't yeah. like that. On the day of Gabriel Batistuta's birthday as well. What, what What's yeah, happening? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Unbelievable. Uh, All right, let me move on here and I'll give you my next loser. I'm sorry, I'm sticking here. Tottenham. Um, I think that of everything that we just said about Deli Alley, equally can be said about Tottenham. Like if you knew from a very long time, I'm, I, it's not just January that this just happened. It's not just December that you knew that Jose Mourinho was not going to be thinking too much about Deli Alley and putting him in as much as you would think. Why wasn't there a bigger plan to try and replace him with somebody that could clearly help you, as we just saw with the loss against Brian? You can't just do it with Son. Harry Kane uh, gets injured every now and again. Clearly, you could have like said, okay, Deli Alley is not part of this, so maybe we can do something where we bring somebody else in, perhaps Christian Eriksen. Was he a mistake? Could we have given him more here? Like, I just, I just think that sometimes the stubbornness of certain people gets in the way of what could happen for a club. And I think that, you know, Tottenham really need to think about that, especially when you could have like used Deli Ali's um, unhappiness and use it to both his advantage and yours and replace him with somebody more uh, that could help you. And that's not the case. Yeah. It's, I think we've said all we're going to say about this, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. And I, I'm curious because Spurs are kind of on the precipice of, falling out of contention potentially for sure in the league, but we'll see how they do in the one-off competitions. We know Mourinho is a master at that. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting time for Spurs. And, and uh, I think at this point, if you're a fan, you're just hoping to get top four. Yep, absolutely. All right. Who's next? Jimmy, your last one. Yeah, I'm going with Leicester. Uh, if only because I thought they're on the precipice of, of another team that maybe falling out of the top four, you know, I think they need to find some other, other options outside of Iosi Perez and Ilianacho for, for Jamie Vardy when he goes down. They have a good team. Harvey Barnes has really emerged this season. James Madison is quality. I think we've already seen it, but he continues to prove it, which is nice, a consistency. You know, when Ndidi is hurt, they are also a different team. And then they let go of Damari Gray to Bayer Leverkusen. And I just don't understand that move. They didn't bring anybody in of substance, and they let go of somebody that I thought 24 years old, you know, he, he could help the team a little bit, maybe with the emergence of, of Barnes and, and Madison, he was getting a little frustrated, not getting as many minutes because he's only played 18 minutes all season. But I just thought it's a guy that's got, got some depth, you know, I mean, he's proven to be a solid player in the past. And, and I just found it to be kind of odd that he wasn't getting more playing time and not being more involved. I, I'm sure there's more to it if you're not getting that many limited minutes, but I just thought let's leave Damari Gray out. Even the fact that Lester didn't bring anybody in that was really going to help strengthen the side. I just think they're going to maybe drop out of the top four and maybe a boost with another player to could be it. However, they have relied on a lot of young players this season. Um, James, Justin and, and uh, Fofana uh, two in particular in the back. So maybe that's kind of the way they're going to try to solve problems. And let's not forget that Europa league is coming back that and too. you know, that their too. calendar is going to get busier. No, yeah, I, yeah. very fair point. All right. And here's my final one, Jimmy, I'm sorry. 
Is Joe Willick <laughs> enough for Newcastle? Newcastle United. I just, I just don't know if Joe Willick is enough. Should they have done more in January? Do you think? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, what, what are they going to do? Like, you still have Steve Bruce as your manager and Mike Ashley as your owner. I, I, I like that we tried to mix it up and, and got somebody. It looked like that we're, we're, it seems like we're trying to do something, but yeah, it's not going to be enough. I know DeAndre Yedlin looks like he's going to Galatasaray as well. So, you know, there's certain moves that are happening, but dude, we're just, we're just not good enough. And we don't have a manager that knows how to get the most out of these players. So I, I actually wish Joe Willick the best. I hope that he doesn't get his soul sapped by the end of the six month, you know, thing and, and uh, still has fond memories of Newcastle at some point moving forward. We will see what happens. Well, that's it, everybody. That was our winners and losers. Uh, before we say goodbye to everybody, Jimmy Conrad, any final thoughts? No, another exciting transfer window. I, I'm, I'm excited about what's coming. Let's be honest. I'm glad this is kind of done. And now we can look forward to these Champions League knockout rounds, the Europa League knockout rounds. And there's an incredible month for Manchester City to, this month in particular to see if they can go on and push on to be you know champions in multiple competitions. So just a lot of questions I think are going to be answered in February. So I'm really excited about it. Yep. Action is what we're here for. And that's finally, it. that's all that we can just talk about. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thanks, Luis. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. Those really help us to grow the show. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on CBSSports.com. We're on YouTube. We're everywhere. You can't escape from us. We're absolutely everywhere. And we will see you the next day and the next. Have a great, great rest of your week. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount+. Plus, and for the first time ever... I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.